the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Eye on Real Estate, your premier source for real estate information. From the heart of New York City and the tri-state area to the most active real estate hotspots across America. Keeping you plugged in to the latest real estate market trends. From mortgage news and legal developments to everything you need to know about buying or selling a property. Benefited by the advice of the experts. Now, here's the host of Eye on Real Estate, the vice chair of Douglas Elliman, Dottie Herman. Into our second hour of Iron Will Say, and I'm thrilled to be able to have Lois Weiss on, who is, I'd say, a guru in writing about commercial real estate and covering it. Um, and she covered, she covers it still. Every paper has had her. Real Deal, New York, every, every, uh, there isn't a paper that hasn't had something that Lois has reported. And I thought we would look back at what actually how commercial real estate was affected in 9-11 and what we did to rebuild it. And then at 11.30, we're very much honored to have the governor, ex-governor Pataki, he was the governor of New York State during 9-11, and he's going to talk a little bit about things that he implemented to get the city back on its feet. So, Lois, you, I mean, we all remember where we were when 9-11 hit us. I mean, I remember just... See, you know, actually, I was on my way to work, and I saw it happen. Like, I actually saw that plane, and it was a clear day. And I remember that at first, I'm not sure if I, everyone thought it was, like, maybe a pilot error. But then when the second plane hit, obviously, we knew we were under attack. And Absolutely. It was a, yeah. a very interesting day, the clear blue sky, the uh, primary day, kids going back to school. It was uh, just sort of this shot and through our hearts when we all saw that happen. And, well, didn't you feel um, it was almost surreal? Because I remember just kind of just, I remember I was in Long Island. I, was, I, I, I stopped in one of the offices, and everybody was, like, glued to the television. And I called up on corporate offices, and I said, tell everyone, make an announcement to everyone to go home. ASAP, go home to wherever you live. And if I recall, you couldn't get out of New York. It was hard for people to even get out of New York. So, And I think we were kind of numb or kind of, like, it was, to me, surreal. I couldn't even really believe what was happening. And if you recall, we didn't know what was coming, like, down the road. We didn't know if we were going to have more planes hit us. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was kind of like, okay, what do we do next? And so I think everyone ran home and then tried calling, especially if you were in the city, to get a hold of the loved ones to see if they were okay. And basically, I, Lois, maybe three or four days later, I had this need to go to the site of the World Trade Center. And at the time, you were yeah. not allowed, if you go back, you were not allowed yeah. to go past Canal Street. 
And so I took a taxi and I took it to Canal Street because that's the furthest you could go. And then you couldn't go any further. They had like these checkpoints and you could only go if you were the press. Or I think if you were somebody who lived in a building that was hit or it was evacuated during 9-11. So I just had this need and I went past the Canal Street and the I went to the, the, you had to go to these checkpoints and I just held up my license and I didn't, I just said press and I walked and they just kind of, you know, I said it confidently that I was the press and so <laughs> they didn't question it. I went through two or three stop points and got through and there I went to a Ralph Lauren building, uh, I think it was Polo and it was right across from the World Trade Center and you saw the, and I, I have pictures I took and there was, this big hole, and the Ralph Lauren store was directly across from 9/11, and I stood in that store, and everything was as neat as a pin, and all the jeans were just like in perfect order. But there was just gobs of that dust and that soot, and just signs everywhere looking for so and so. It was, and then there was that little church that was next yeah. to 9/11 that there was not even a window. That was yeah. So that was kind of really kind of of miracle. So you were covering you covered real estate then, and we were pretty much wiped out downtown. And now when you look at what's happened to downtown, it's kind of they rebuilt it like nothing you've ever seen. Could you tell us? Could you go back in time and some of the things that they did to bring it back and bring commercial real estate back? Well, the, the first thing that happened is that everybody pitched in to get all the um, the offices resituated. Uh, I mean, you had um, people um, leasing hotel rooms to turn into offices, and 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 people were waiving their commissions and just trying to get people set up anywhere so that they could work with the rem- you know the remaining people. But I mean, there were Obviously, people completely wiped out, you know, the Cantor Fitzgerald people and people on, uh, you know, Brown and Wood were there. There were a lot of companies and and law firms that just lost um, so many employees that they were uh, uh, kind of almost petrified. So it. You know, I think that, you know, Pataki was governor then. He and Giuliani stepped in. They kind of got. Um, everyone down there first to get people to hopefully rescue somebody, which there was very little of that, but then to clean it up. And they just, you know, organized. I I actually ended up down there um, uh, uh, across the street. Some building owners took me um, in to look um, in the end of September. And I remember there was, you know, debris everywhere. And I picked up a piece of paper and it was from Brown and Wood and it talked about uh, Harry Macklow owning the Domino sugar plant at the time. And, you know, it was such an odd thing to pick up and have somebody I knew, um, you know, mention on this piece of paper. Um, But I think Pataki did an excellent job of of organizing a rebuilding. Silverstein obviously was oh. deeply involved in it. The um, you know he had just taken the keys July twenty sixth 
um, you know, at, at a ceremony. So here he was paying um, over, I think, $100,000 a month or a day or something insane like that on the mortgage. And he had no buildings and no income. So that was crazy. But they, you know, and people from all over the world sent in suggestions of what to rebuild and how it should look. So, I remember that. I remember that. People said, like, what should be there and how it should look, and they had designs, and yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I do remember. But when you and, go downtown and, now, it's kind of day and night. I mean, when I look at how they rebuilt downtown, downtown is yeah. so popular. Um, and that took a great amount of leadership, working together, because basically, if you were commercial, uh, most a lot of them were just wiped out. I mean, just completely wiped out. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, people, and and you could buy a an apartment down there very cheaply because people wanted to get out of it. So, um, you know, anybody who invested down there obviously did very well since then. But you know, people were afraid uh, to lease on the top of buildings and look. Um, we have these now fifteen hundred foot high buildings. Um, so it, it's a little bit crazy, and people are living it in that. You remember they said they when we had nine eleven, they said no one will ever live in a high floor again. People will be afraid Poor to live elite. on the high floors. And as you said, when you look at commercial real estate or any real estate today, the higher the floor, the more money it usually goes for. Yes, and and you know, but it was uh, you know as we were talking a little bit, uh, people came together, and that was really important. You walked down the street, and you looked in people's eyes, and you kind of had this you know shared experience. And and for instance, whenever my husband and I traveled around the country, people would ask us, "How are you doing? How, you know, what's it like now at the World Trade Center?" So it, you know, as I said. It was people from all over the world were affected um, by it emotionally. So, you know, putting up those buildings and getting them built, um, you know, for a while, um, you know, Governor Pataki called One World Trade um, the Freedom Tower. And even though they've tried to rebrand it at One World Trade, I still hear people refer to it as the Freedom Tower because it was so important to get that building up. Um, and, and you know, Condé Nast leased right away most of the base there. I mean, they're, you know, giving up their floors for sublease now. But, you know, there's very few um, avail space available yeah. in it now. Um, people you are, you know... A little before the show um, about the fact that during 9-11 and after 9-11, I should say, that people were just so united. I mean, it, it was a beautiful time in the sense of that, that the world from this disaster really came together, and, and certainly Americans did. And I look at, you know, COVID, which was, is a crisis, and that did not have that effect. I'm not sure that it even, I think maybe it had the opposite effect. But yeah. you were going back in history and looking at other disasters that you were talking to me about 
looks like it's yeah. very interesting. You just want to talk to our listeners about that because I think it's really well, an interesting point. I, I, you know, the first thing I said is that, you know, when Kennedy, when John F. Kennedy was assassinated, it brought people together also. Um, we were all, it was such a stunning, horrible thing. And, and to watch on television as Jack Ruby then assassinated Lee Harvey Oswald, it was like, what are you kidding me? <laughs> it was, uh, you know, crazy. And, and, you know, I will say that, you know, this week we're kind of all mourning uh, Queen Elizabeth. Um, and, and, you know, it's another time I see, um, people, um, mourning a a great leader and coming together. And, and, and we also talked a little bit about after Pearl Harbor and it brought people of this country together, um, and, and, you know, parts of the world. So it's kind of odd to me and to you that, that COVID, which should have brought us more together, kind of put us in our homes cocooning as I as I like to say and and not and not being united except in the fact that we're all annoyed about it and um and, and it's in some ways as you've said Dottie um brought us a little bit apart because people are angry about the masks they're angry about the shots there's all these you know conspiracy theories about everything and is it china is it our government is it the world right. health organization who so, started it do, do, do we know about it do we not know about it was it you know this and and People really, and I, and I, you know, somebody asked me. I was doing an interview for someone this week, actually, and they said, "Well, like, do you have any ideas of how you can, well, how we can start to kind of heal from this disaster?" Because it, when you listen to the news, and again, I always say that the news does not want to say, "Oh, the sun is shining and everything is wonderful," because that doesn't sell papers. So you know, the worst things, are, you know, so they want to say all bad stuff. So. I always keep that in mind. But when you listen to the news, you hear, I don't care what city it is, you hear killings, this, that, this would Do you think people kind of lost it a little bit from COVID? I mean, you know, or is it just that that's all they're reporting is bad stuff? No, I think um, that there's a disconnect between reality and what's actually happening on the ground. It's very disturbing, I think, to us as New Yorkers when there are all these criminal people and mentally ill on the streets and our elected officials haven't called an emergency session to, you know, take back, you know, I hate to get political to um, reform the, re-reform the bail laws. And, yeah, I think um, that's a must. I mean, I'm sorry. I don't get political either on this show because, you know, there's always going to be, you know, a difference of opinion, which, as I said, as long as someone doesn't hurt anybody, we should be lucky that we're allowed to have a difference of opinion in the U.S. and that we should yeah. respect and be happy that we live in a country that you can have a difference of opinion without them killing you or putting you in jail. Um, so, in, in lieu of that, uh, yeah. having a difference of opinion, people at one time, you know, might not have agreed with somebody or a side, but, you know, it didn't polarize them. Or they at least looked yeah. at maybe a way of, of getting together and coming up with some common, you know, where each 
party gives and takes a little bit, you know. You know, I give yeah. a little, I give up some things I want to, just like negotiating when you do a sale of a home. When you give up some things, and that's how you negotiate. And it seems like we've kind of lost that today. And so I'm hoping that we can all do our part in trying to bring us all back together. Yes, you're right. We have a, I think a lot of cities have a, a crisis with homeless. I think COVID kind of expedited things that were happening already because they had to evacuate the jails and they had to evacuate the shelters because of COVID. So all these people are now in the streets. And so, of course, um, but now, you know, COVID seems to be calming down. Um, I think it's going to probably be with us, but it doesn't Mm -hmm. seem to be as killing. You know, they have vaccines now and they have, I think, I'm pretty sure they have something that if you get COVID now, you can take their medicines. Um, So, I, I think yeah, that all cities now have to kind of work on cleaning it up. How is the commercial, yeah. you know, um, how is commercial? I mean, I guess the hardest hit was office space, probably. Yeah. Like Midtown, yeah. correct? But, 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 I mean, it's interesting. We lost, you know, over 10 million square feet at the World Trade Center, and not only have we gotten that back, and it's pretty much filled, but, um, you know, we've had another, you know, 10, 20 million square feet built at Hudson Yards and uh, Manhattan West. And, you know, so that keeps going. But I, I do want to go back to you talked about the church that was destroyed on 9-11. And the new St. Nicholas Greek Orthodox Church is finally, re, you know, pretty much ready to open. And it's, um, you know, kind of a a, a gorgeous um, domed uh, church that's on the now. Well, they gave it a new setting um, next to the trade center, and if you go down there, it's you know extraordinarily beautiful and it'll glow um, at night. Um, and again, as will the um, performing arts center, the way they were both um, built and the materials that they've used. So um, we'll see a dedication, I'm sure, for the the Greek Orthodox Church pretty soon. Um, and you know, the the um, in in terms of of real estate, uh, KPMG, for instance, just leased um, you know 456,000 square feet at the two Manhattan West. Now that wow. won't be ready until. 2025, but it um, is symbolic of the, you know, what what the brokers call a flight to quality, that you want the newest and the best buildings. So that's something we're we're seeing, and um, any new building or where a building where a owner has put in a lot of money to add amenities to add the and that is doing quite well, and they're getting tenants. So, well, Lois, um, would you think that that's the millennials who are, like, I think as baby boomers, we work forever. Like, however how we had to work, yeah. we work. If we had to be on top of each other, if we didn't have a desk, then we had to kind of share it. Whatever it was, we kind of just went along with it. We did what we had to do. And the millennials are like, no, okay, we want quality, and we want space that is... Uh, that we that 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 we want to be in an environment that's conducive to us working, that we enjoy working in, 
and that we don't feel like we're sitting at a desk, like cramped in. So don't you think a lot has to do with the millennials kind of pushing that forward? We have a commercial, and um, I thought to finish this with time goes so quick, and we're going to be on with the Governor Patrick. My Pillow is having their biggest bed sheet sale ever. The My Pillow per kale sheets are available in a variety of colors and all sizes. Now on sale, for example, the queen size, regular price eighty nine ninety eight, now only thirty nine ninety eight with your promo code. Order now, as there is a very limited supply. The My Pillow per kale sheets are breathable and have a cool, crisp feel. They have deep pockets to fit over any mattress. The the My Pillow per kale sheets come with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money back guarantee. Go to mypillow.com, click on the radio listener square, use promo code AM970 to receive the My Pillow per kale sheets for as low as 29.98. Order now because when they're gone, they're gone. Go to mypillow.com or call 800-651-0798. Use the promo code AM970. That's 800-651-0798. 800-651-0798. 798. Use the promo code AM970. Keep your body moving with powerful nutrients to support your joints and overall mobility. Invite Health is here to save the day and your body with the best-selling Cartilage HX. Cartilage HX helps to maintain the health of your cartilage and promotes flexibility and mobility. This powerful formulation provides a patented form of type 2 collagen called UC2 that has been shown in clinical studies to promote joint comfort and strong, healthy bones. Just listen to what some Invite Health customers in the tri-state area are saying about Cartilage HX. I had a problem with my left knee and had to take baby steps going up the stairs. I'm almost normal now. Miracle! When I climb the stairs, my knees no longer hurt. Stay active with the help of Cartilage HX. Buy one bottle, get the other free, plus free shipping today. Call 800-673-2345 now to order. Again, that's 800-673-2345. 800-673-2345. The following is a paid political announcement. Sunday mornings just got a lot more interesting. Be sure to tune into Frankly Speaking with Frank Palata, Republican House candidate for U.S. Congress representing New Jersey's 5th District. Frank will be discussing the issues of the day that affect everyone. The economy, crime, veterans affairs, seniors, border security, and much, much more. Don't miss it. Frankly Speaking, Sunday mornings at 10 on AM 970, The Answer. This is Frank Palata, and I approve this message. This week on RVER, sponsored by Progressive Insurance. I'm sorry, I can't operate on that vehicle. But doctor, you took an oath. That RV, it's my son's RV. Oh, doctor, isn't there anything you can do? I'm not a miracle worker, Sheila. I'm an RV surgeon, trained to save the lives of large injured recreational vehicles, which is definitely a real profession. When your RV really needs saving, Progressive has you covered. See if you could save with a leader in RV insurance. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates covered subject to policy terms. Continuing with Eye on Real Estate, your premier source for real estate information. Here's the host of Eye on Real Estate, the vice chair of Douglas Elliman, Dottie Herman. We're back, and I'm still here with Lois. And we were talking about 9-11, and we're soon to be joined by George Packey, um, the ex-governor of New York. And uh, he's going to be on. He is a uh, born in Peaksville, and he was raised on his parents' farm, and he graduated from Yale and uh, he, uh, Columbia Law School. 
and he was elected governor in 1994 and re-elected twice by record margins, and he uh, enacted over $100 million billion in tax cuts, and he led us through the time of mourning and remembrance on the recovery and revitalization, which I'm talking with Lois about, of 9-11. So, Lois, I, I just have a question for you. So, um, in closing... Um, can you compare like the challenges facing New York City now following COVID pandemic with the aftermath of getting back to normal with 9-11? Like, you know, kind of we had to get back to normal. And now with COVID, I mean, even though it's really not wiped out completely, it's kind of okay, like it's time to go back to work and it's time to get back to normal. And hopefully, you know, tourists, you know, we will come back, our foreigners will start coming back. Do you, do you see, um, can you compare the challenges? Do you see the same challenges, or do you feel that there are different challenges today? I, well, it's it's interesting because when Governor Pataki and um, Rudy Giuliani were elected in the mid-1990s, they were really facing, um, in some ways, some of the same uh, crime challenges. And they had it kind of cleaned up and, and in hand by the time 9-11 hit. So then it was more like, okay, well now we have our real estate uh, fixed. And um, uh, I, I mean, they had to figure out how to rebuild, first clean up the site and then rebuild. And they, one of the things they had done was allow developers to um, take the old office buildings and make them into residential, and they gave them, you know, a complete property tax cut. So that's something that people are talking about now, that they need that kind of program um, in order to um, overcome the great costs of creating um, apartments out of um, office buildings. I mean, just all the plumbing. Do you think they're going to maybe change the zoning? Uh, like maybe maybe kind of take some of that office space and rezone it for like housing? Well, it's not um, you know just a rezoning, but it's allowing kind of individual buildings to make that choice so that they can do that. Um, you know, there's been some rezoning in parts of Brooklyn and Queens, um, and, uh, you know, it's really helped. I mean, look at the waterfront all along there. That was old, um, decrepit manufacturing buildings are either now incorporated into new designs or, you know, we have some amazing architecture now in the in the. Uh, the waterfront buildings. Now, some of them are office space also because people, for instance, who are living in Brooklyn would rather work in Brooklyn. And so that office space um, is getting slowly absorbed. Um, look at Dumbo. It's a, an entire live-work area. And that's um, really come up over the last, um, you know, 30 years, say, from from just empty manufacturing to um, to living residential and um, a lot of maker offices. I mean, that's one thing that I've seen that we didn't have before, that people are literally becoming makers. They're creating eyeglasses or frames or pottery 
or they become little importers. And so there's a lot of places um, that the city has also encouraged for these makers to have um, places where they can share equipment and also, you know, talk about what they're doing and have some places to, to eat. You know, any building now, you have food trucks coming to them. You have small um, cafes and unique places to eat. You know, the chefs have gotten created. It's, you know, it isn't only for some, you know, wealthy person who goes to culinary arts who can now own a restaurant and, and um be, um, you know, acclaimed. And so I think we really um, um, value now entrepreneurship much more than we did before. And Well, I you know, think you're seeing that also because at least I've seen, and this is just my opinion, I don't think it's later, you know, time has to pass before we can be absolutely certain, but it looks to me like the pandemic took some trends that were really happening already and kind of expedited them. And so that, yeah. you know, and it looks like that. The millennials, which never, they were always kind of more about balance than the baby boomers were. The baby boomers kind of, you know, worked yeah. 20 million hours. And, you know, a lot of times they couldn't be there for their families or they sacrificed some family time. And the baby boom is, you know, and where as this generation kind of sees life more as a balance, which is probably much healthier. So if they can manage to make a lot of money and not have to be in work every day and work from home, and I think that even though I think we're seeing a lot of employees try getting people back to work, and, you know, look, Zoom is great sometimes, but look, that does not really replace human interaction that you get from you know, face-to-face time with your colleagues. But I think, I mean, do you think there'll be some kind of kind of middle ground where you maybe work four days a week and have yeah. a weekend yeah, I, or something of that sort? Yeah, I, I that see a lot of people, you know, they, they have their employees coming in, in uh, teams or in groups to work a certain number of days a week and be able to get together and talk. And a lot of the new offices are made to have as, you know, conference rooms, meeting rooms, that um, benching where you're on a bench like a trader and you have no privacy, it's you know, kind of going out the window and there's, um, it's not quite a return to private offices, but maybe some cubicles and there's phone booths and there's meeting times and all the amenities that are being put in are designed to have people be excited to go to the office. Right. You know? Right. Um, And having, as you said, buildings have social space where people can collaborate and kind of you know, they're not sitting at this little desk cramped in by themselves, you know, or just able to talk to one or two people with desks around them. It's kind of like, you know, more free space and social space where, you know, yeah. and it induces people to want to be at work because the atmosphere is nice and also to talk to each other because I think that's real important and brings companies yeah. and people together. And gets them closer because yeah. when you know somebody and you talk to them, you know it's a lot different than if you do it on Zoom. So I think that's uh, all good, and I think that's yeah. probably here to stay. And as is the outdoor space, we haven't talked about that at all. You're creating these little park areas on the terraces 
um, on almost any building that has a setback and it's programmed in and they have Wi-Fi out there and nice places to sit and some of them have fire pits and cocktails and places to have a party um, or a gathering, you know, before or after work. Um, you know, almost I have every- one last question. I hope that the governor yes, remembered to call in, and maybe he didn't, and if he didn't, <laughs> I'll have to do it next week. But I, one last question I have for you. Now, with this outdoor space, because I kind of look at us doing this, this has nothing to do with COVID. I think they started doing yeah. this well before COVID, yep. where they're having, you know, trying to be like California, and or, you know, where they have outdoor space, and you can eat outside, but now that's created a lot of traffic problems. Um, do you, like, where, you know, I mean, the restaurants are outdoor restaurants. Yeah. Track. Uh, well, I'm not a fan because I think they're incredibly dangerous as a driver, and I drive all over. Okay. I mean, well, um, they are. I was slipped but out I'd love to us begin to with. Talk about that. Yeah, we will. I wish you'd stay on. I want to. The governor's here, so I want to introduce okay. him so he can. All right, you have a great day, and yes, thank you. Welcome coming. back, and we'll continue. Lois is like, I uh, uh, just want to say thank you. You always keep us informed, and, of course, I love when you come back and keep us informed on what's going on, so have a great weekend. Appreciate it. You too, Okay, bye. And now, as I promised, and we are just so thrilled and honored to have Governor Pataki, who was a great governor, Governor, you on the line? I'm on, Dottie. Nice talking to you. Oh, goodness. I really, I mean, uh, you would have heard me speak about you before and all the things that you accomplished for New York uh, that I just read. It's like too much. It was, I took me 10 minutes with all the things that you have done to help New York. And I, in the wake of tomorrow, the 21st anniversary of 9-11, and you led us through that. And I could almost cry. I'm really, I think everybody in New York remembers where they were, what they were doing. And I look at New York and through your efforts and, and mayors, and we really, I mean, you look at New York and it, yeah. Well, yes, we have a break, but I would love you to talk a little about that and some of the things that you did. Um, bring New York and, and the World Trade Center back. Um, we have a quick break, and then we're going to take the rest of the time to listen to the governor talk to us. We all know the trials and tribulations applying today and that awful feeling that no one is listening. Well, give a listen to Joe Piscopo and what he recently went through at JFK Airport with the TSA. I got to tell you, JFK is not like an airport. It's like an alien planet. <laughs> if you wanted to get a model for how not to run an airport, it's John F. Kennedy Airport. I go in, I'm in the clear thing, you know, and you go, oh, do I have to wait in line? Well, if you just go there and get one of the clear people, and then they'll get you through. That's what you're supposed to do. So I wait in line. I got the clear pass in my hand. And then the girl that was in the TSA, she had the same characteristics as 
oh, Goebbels or Himmler. It was as rude, as nasty, unprofessional with this Napoleonic complex. It was terrible. As inexcusable and rude as anything I've ever seen. At JFK. Uh, very interesting. We have a phone call and it looks legitimate from the general manager of JFK Airport. You're the real deal. You're the GM of all of JFK, ma'am. Yes, I am. <laughs> I want to say that the executive director of the Port Authority has zero tolerance for this behavior. And we work very closely with all our partners at JFK to ensure that we provide our customers with a wonderful customer experience. So I apologize. I want to try and uh, make this better for all the other customers that have to fly through at JFK. Joe Piscopo and AM 970, two huge voices to be reckoned with, fighting for all of us every day. The roar of our engines, the pump of our heartbeats, the pedal to our metal, the sparks that ignite us, the pistons that push us, the passions that drive us. From the feelings that move us to the places that pull us on the roads that unite us. With nearly 6,000 stores and over 17,000 auto care centers, Napa has America's largest network of parts and care. Here to keep you firing on all cylinders. Ever experience a great steak at a fine restaurant and wondered, why can't you get that great quality at home? Pat Lafreda Meat Purveyors supplies many of New York and New Jersey's fine restaurants. Now you can get the same high-quality selection of meats for your most important customer, your own family. Lafreda deals in only premium 100% black Angus cattle raised and grazed in the United States. Their only focus is meat. You won't find any frozen side dishes or gimmicks here. Offering every kind of meat in every cut, such as tomahawk, bone-in ribeye, porterhouse, Center Cut Filet, to name a few, supplying only the highest quality beef, pork, lamb, veal, poultry, and America's best burger chopped meat blends. Shipped overnight, cut the night you place your order, and always fresh, never frozen. To order, go online at lafreda.com, L-A-F-R-I-E-D-A.com. Continuing with Eye on Real Estate, your premier source for real estate information. Here's the host of Eye on Real Estate, the vice chair of Douglas Elliman, Dottie Herman. Thanks. And we're back. And I just want to, as I said, we have the governor, Governor Pataki, on the phone, who, amongst all his accomplishments, and as I said, there's just so many. I've done them through the show. I'd love you to talk to us about the governor. Like, how did you, you know, now the World Trade Center is the home of the 12th skyscraper and attracts millions of visitors since its opening. How did you manage and balance all of the various plans and options when they were just trying to decide what to do and what to put there? Well, Daddy, first of all, it's great being on with you, and thank you very much for uh uh, what you do to keep the Yankees informed of what's going on. Uh, you started out a little earlier by uh, saying what great things I did, and I would just change that to say what great things the people of New York did. You know, the, September 11th was a horrible day, uh, but we saw New Yorkers from every walk of life respond with incredible courage uh, and incredible commitment, and and uh, we have risen to new heights, and that's a tribute. Uh, yes, we had unified leadership that had a vision, but also we had great people who came together. And uh, I don't ever want New Yorkers to not take pride in the way that everyone responded in the aftermath of that horrible attack. Now, Patty, getting back to your specific question about how we wended through all those plans, I'll tell you, uh, rebuilding uh, was 
a team's community was not just for New York or just for America. It was for the world, and we had to do it right. Uh, and the Port Authority controlled that site, and they came out with an initial plan to rebuild what was there. And I and everybody else took a look at it and said, no, no, no. Almost 3,000 people died. This is hollowed ground. We're not going to uh, uh, allow this site to simply become another place where there are a bunch of office buildings. So what I did as well is I said, this is to be a public process. So we reached out to the public at large uh, for, for comments. And then we put together a competition among architects. We invited all the great architects in the world to compete. Uh, and we had a number of master site plans. And they narrowed down, we narrowed them down to five master site plans and gave the architects funds to build detailed models of those plans. Uh, and then we put them on the internet and we put them in the, uh, uh, the winter gallery at uh, uh, the office space right across from where the tower said stood. And Dottie, we had 10 million hits on the internet with people uh, commenting and recommending what they thought should be the master plan. But ultimately, you know, I chose the Liebeskin master site plan. Uh, I thought it was the right one. Uh, I thought it conveyed both respect for the heroes we lost that day, but also uh, confidence in the future. And you look around ground zero lower Manhattan today, and I think we made the right decision, had the right plan, and uh, have put in place what uh, the people of New York can be proud of. Yeah, and you and I, I've kind of, I said that in the beginning of the show because living through 9-11, and I said as a bleak of a time that it was, through our leadership, and, and you say the, the people were just united. Everybody was one, and everybody, you just looked at somebody, and everybody felt each other's pain, and then I would remember driving, and there'd be American flags out the window, and the radio would play God Bless America, and, you know, I would have tears. So it was just a, a time. So, and you really, with that New Yorkers, and actually all of the United States, because I think everybody kind of felt for anybody in New York. So I look at that, and I say, gee, like, what do we have to do today? Because... Um, we're looking at a time where this COVID has not brought anybody together. It's kind of done the opposite. I, 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 and I, you know, and, and so you look at, so how can you compare the challenges that we face in New York City that after 9-11 to what's going on now, the challenges that we face from the COVID, which I think is kind of going to be with us, but, you know, at least subsiding or not, to, you know, we have drugs now that can treat it. You know, um, I think you're right that we are facing a, a second real challenging time. The first was after September 11th, and that was one where uh, everybody wanted to leave New York. You know, we had 10 million square feet of office space destroyed, another 10 million that was unusable. Uh, and companies had, workers had no place to go, and they were looking at Connecticut, looking at other states. Uh, and we had to very quickly and very aggressively moved to give them confidence that they could stay in New York, they were going to be safe, they were going to have opportunity, and that we were going to be fine. And I'll just tell you one story, Dottie, about Ken Chenault, who was the president and chairman of American Express. I got a call from him uh, literally two days after the attacks, and he said, Governor, you know, I'm the head of American Express, our offices are right across from where the towers stood. They were damaged. We can't use the office space. 
our board is meeting on Monday, and they're going to vote to leave Lower Manhattan. And he and Chenault, to his credit, said, I don't want to do this. I don't want the terrorists to win, but we need assurances from the state because we haven't gotten it from the city that we will be provided with whatever security we need. Uh, and I talked to Ken on the phone. I said, I guarantee you, if you need special security because you're American Express and you're right across the street, we will provide it. And without even a handshake, Ken Chenault said, okay. And that Monday he called back and said the board had decided not just to stay, but to, re- but to expand and stay another 10 years. And it was that type of understanding that we were all in this together, uh, that we didn't want to send the message that New York was defeated, that we were giving up. Uh, and uh, we also put in place probably the largest package of economic incentives for real estate companies and companies to stay or come back to lower Manhattan ever. We got $20 billion from the federal government, and my concept is we create economic incentives based on concentric circles. The greatest aid going to companies that come back or locate closest to ground zero and then extending out from there because it wasn't just ground zero. It was all the way, even Chinatown. Chinatown was dying because it had lost terrorism. And and, uh, I'm proud, Dottie, when we look back today that Lower Manhattan has more residents, twice as many residents today as it did on September 11th, 21 years ago. And you see companies locating there and doing well. So we needed to put in place an aggressive, multi-phased program, and we did. And and I think, Dottie, that's what we have to do now. You're right about COVID. COVID has changed things dramatically. And while, you know, yes, we have the vaccines, and it will become more like the flu than the horrible, horrible killing disease it was uh, two years ago, we still understand that there, the impact of it uh, lingers and people don't go to work. Offices are empty. Uh, companies are having a hard time convincing their employees yeah. to go back yeah. to work. Uh, and so we need to do that same thing. We need to put in place a multifaceted approach of government assistance to help make uh, the New York real estate market come back. Well, I, and I'm sorry, I just have to, like, I know you want to give everyone credit, and of course, um, I give credit, so like I always say, don't ever bet against New York, you're going to lose, <laughs> because we're resilient, and, you know, people, I remember even at 9-11, but we had such great leadership with you and, and um, the mayor, but we're not leaving, we're not going, we're staying, and everybody was one, but today I don't see everyone as one. And I, you know, and I'm looking at how, look, downtown today is so much greater, and there's just so much. It's one of the hottest places to go to where people want to be there. You really did, and hats off to you, and thank you. You did a wonderful job of getting people back and assuring and making people confident that New York would be back, and we were bigger, better, and together. And so I was just wondering if you had any ideas on how we do that with COVID because I don't see that, um, you know. And then I, I think the press really plays a, a part of always just, I mean, I, I just said in the beginning of the show, the press is never going to say the sun is shining and it's wonderful outside and things are great because, you know, they want to report bad news. That's what sell papers. But, you know, you know there, there's so much infighting. And it was just kind of a great time. It was after a horrible disaster. So I was wondering if you had any ideas of now what we can do to bring 
New York back after the COVID disaster. Um, since you did such a fine job of helping us bring it back after 9-11. Well, thanks again, Dottie. And I have a lot of ideas. The first thing, uh, we had to assure people after September 11th that it was going to be safe. It was okay to be in New York and to be in lower Manhattan. Uh, we have to do that again now in Midtown. Uh, you know, I, I'm one of these old-fashioned guys who actually goes into the office. Uh, and I go in my office, and you know, we have like six floors in the Midtown office building. And there's almost nobody there. Uh, and you go out on the streets, and too often you're harassed by a mentally ill homeless person. That's happened to me a number of times. Violent crime is way too high. People are afraid to ride the subways. So the first thing we have to do is make an absolute firm commitment to public safety. The laws in Albany have to be changed. Uh, we have to be able to convict and keep violent criminals uh, away from the public at large. We have to deal with the mentally ill homeless. We can't allow them to roam the streets freely. We have to improve uh, both security and service in the subways. Uh, and then we have to make sure that people are confident that when they go into an office building, it is going to be healthy. And there are many ways to do that, everything from upgrading air quality to having continuing monitoring to just uh, sending out, as you said, messages in the press about how safe in reality it is to go back to work. And uh, uh, so it's not one thing, just as it wasn't after September 11th. It's a whole series of things. And uh, as you said, don't ever bet against New York. I'm not betting against New York. We're going to get through this. It's a question of how I I hope you'll come back again. I just want to again say thank you for all that you've done for New York and continue to do. And um, that's me and all of our listeners feel the same way. So thank you for being on our show and thank you for all of that you do and continue to do for New York. Well, thank we'll you, Daddy, and you stay well and keep fighting for New thank York. You. Thanks. Have a great week, everybody, and we'll be back next week. Eye on Real Estate with Dottie Herman is sponsored by Citizens Bank N.A. Hi, it's Joe Piscopo. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.